that we are yours, we are your precious children, and that we can stand here before you in all of you and worship you and give you all of ourselves so that you can use us for your glory, so that we can make it clean and bring yourself the glory, God, through helpless sinners like us, God, and we just praise you for the beauty of that, and we thank you that we can stand here in your midst and in your presence, worshiping you, the one and only God, the all-powerful. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for that so much. It's such an honor to worship you, Lord, and I thank you for your spirit as it came down and ministered to us through that worship, and God, I pray that we would hear your words through the sermon today. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Family Church. I uh, love getting up after worship and being able to present the word. It's kind of frightening, but it's also exciting at the same time. So let me get my notes here ready. And uh, I just want to continue that prayer, so would you please pray with me? God, we do praise you for this morning. God, all of this is for you. It's for your glory. God, your word has been given to us so that we may glorify you. God, we thank you for our church, which is actually your church. We thank you that we can be part of that. God, we thank you for the worship that we just had. God, we praise you. May you open our, our, uh, just our hearts. May you open our eyes and our ears for anyone in here who um, is struggling with anything. God, you are the one who has conquered death. You have conquered sin. You have conquered all the, the fears and anxieties and the, uh, just everything going on in our life. You are the answer to those things. God, may we hold fast to the promises you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. We're continuing our series in Philippians, and I'm going to be working through verses 19 through 26. And so before we jump into that, I'm going to give a recap to what Pastor Terry did a couple of weeks ago. And so we're going to be starting in verse 12. And I had a couple of questions about the difference in preaching and teaching going through a book study rather than jumping around in the Bible. And we just wanted to share with you, um, some of you had said, came up and said, man, I really love what you're doing. And other ones are, hey, you know, working through this book study, how long is that going to take? Um, just want to share, we are going through book studies for a couple of reasons. One of which is when we spend time in a book study working through an entire book of the New Testament or Old Testament, we are understanding the context, the history, the characters, their feelings, their motives. And as we spend time in a book and we work through that, we'll begin to understand who their audience was, what it means to us. And so we're in Philippians. This church was started back in the book of Acts, and it's in the city of Philippi. And um, we're going to jump right in. And we see that Paul is in jail. Paul is in jail, and he's chained to a Roman Praetorian guard, which is a special elite unit. And so I'll pick up in verse 12, and it says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord about my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from rivalry and envy, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. 
The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I want to ask you, church, what was Paul in chains able to rejoice about? I don't know exactly what's going on in your life this morning, but maybe you have a situation going on that's a burden on your heart. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a unknown. Maybe it's family, financial. Maybe it's just a situation at work. Maybe you're not sure if you're going to have a job. I don't know, but God does. And we see here that Paul was able to rejoice in persecution. He was able to rejoice in a moment of suffering. And Terry said, how was Paul able to do this? Well, when we have an expanded view of who God is, we are able to rejoice in the midst of whatever we're going through because we have an expanded view of God. And it's not about us, it's about Him. And we see this in Paul, and it's a matter of perspective. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or actually months and months ago, um, last year, maybe last year, I'm really bad with time. <laughs> last year, I'm thinking, no, it's for camp. Last year, I, I was having trouble getting kids signed up for camp. And um, I was like, man, I can't get these kids signed up for camp. And then there's a lot of staff that have kids. And I was even having a tough time getting the staff here to sign their kids up. And I'm like, come on, guys. I, this camp is going to be incredible. We have to get... So I was in this perspective of nobody's signing their kids up for camp. And I came in after I had just sat down and talked with some of the pastors and some of the people on staff of, you have to get your kids signed up for camp, Okay this has to happen. I'm at least taking your kids. And so we ended up taking a, a huge amount of kids anyways. God worked it all out. But I remember coming and sitting at my desk and I read a sticky note from one of these staff and it said, our kids will not be going to camp this year. And I was crushed that whole day. I came and I read that note and I was crushed the whole day and I was frustrated and I was upset and I talked to my wife about it. And she's like, well, maybe they have good reasons. Maybe they... And then finally, I, I talked, I, th I think it would have been um, Pastor Terry or, or Pastor Josh whenever he was here. And uh, they were like, man, what is wrong? And I was just in my office, and I grabbed the paper. I said, this is what's wrong. And I went and I gave it to them, and they read it, and they said, I don't see an issue with this. They said, dear Casey, our kids will be attending camp this year. And I'm like, it does not say that. And I went and I snatched it, and I read it, and it said, our kids will be attending camp this year. And I had been upset all day because these staff people I work with, after I had talked with them about what camp was going to do in the lives of their kids, they were not sending their kids to camp. When in fact, they were. But I was in such a perspective of meltdown that I couldn't even read a sticky note that clearly said what it was. And so that was just a little lesson of God saying to me, Casey, you can very much get focused on a situation that's not even a real situation at all. You focus on me. And I, and I want to tell you, as we look into the story that Terry preached on a couple of weeks ago, I want us to see a perspective change of what natural man sees versus what a man of God or a woman of God sees. And so here's the first perspective. Paul is being held captive by Roman guards. Every four to six hours they come in, they abruptly, you know, um, mess up how he was. Maybe he just got comfortable. They have to attach another pair of chains on him. So now he has two sets of chains. Maybe he was finally relaxed and taking a nap. And they come in, they arouse, they 
take off the chains, put on new chains. He's not able to preach the gospel. He's not able to go out and do anything because he's stuck in jail. They're his, basically, masters. And he's like a dog to them. They're thinking, as soon as we let him out of the chains, he's going to run off. And he's treated like a slave. He's treated like garbage. That's a first humanly perspective that we see. But listen to how big of a difference a perspective change can be in this situation when you come about it with an expanded view of God. Listen to the next situation. A praetorian guard is chained and held captive to the apostle Paul. He's in complete submission as he is forced to be in the presence and is unable to escape from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hour after hour, this prison guard is forced to hear the gospel, to reckon with his own sin, the, the wrath and justice of God, and the gift of grace of Jesus Christ on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. As much as the Roman guard wants to get away from this, he can't because he's chained to the Apostle Paul. Every four to six hours, when it's time for that one to go, Paul is given a new prisoner. And these prisoners can never escape from Paul because he's given a new one before the old one can go. So hour after hour, day after day, he's given a new person who's chained to him, who's forced to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, forced to hear about their sin, forced to begin to think of the things of God. Paul doesn't even have to go. He can stay in the midst of his own comfort, of his own little place, and preach the gospel knowing that it's advancing from there. That's an natural view of God versus an expanded view of God, of our, our midst of our trials and our circumstances. And Terry said, you know, look down the chain. He gave a quote a couple of weeks ago, look down the chain that you may be a prisoner to, to what's on the other end. You might be able to share, you might be able to be a blessing, you might be able to present the gospel. We need to take a step back as followers of Jesus Christ and know we've been put in situations or we've been put in tough spots or suffering for the purpose of honoring and glorifying God and what He wants to do. We need to understand the promises of God. In John chapter 16, Jesus gives His followers an assurance that we need to take to heart this morning for the rest of our lives. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, this is Jesus telling us, listen, in this world you will have trouble. He's telling us so that when trouble comes, then he says this, but take heart, take heart, Christian, take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome all of these things. Take heart because of this promise. Paul continued to rejoice even though he was in jail. And we can continue to rejoice even though we might be going through something because we are most able to glorify God in the midst of our sufferings or in the midst of our trials or persecutions more than any other time in our life. Many times we see that sticky note or we get a phone call or we get an email and our world crashes down and the last thing on our mind is about glorifying God. But it's in those moments that we have the greatest opportunity to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's in those opportunities when the unexpected happens that the rest of the world is crumbling, but we as followers of Jesus Christ should be unshaken. We should be unshaken. Why? Because we have promises of God that say He's going to do and act in certain ways towards His children. So we need to act in certain ways. We're going to be moving into our text this morning that I'll be jumping into. 
And we're going to be in verses 18b. So if you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 1, verse 18b. And Paul begins saying this again. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. An incredible statement, but Paul is actually quoting from the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, and he's quoting Job's reply to Zophar, one of his friends. Job was enduring suffering for the glory of God, not because of anything he did in his life or sin, but his friend Zophar was saying, listen, if you just got rid of the sin in your life, these issues would go away. But because there's sin, you have this suffering. And we know the story. We know he was suffering for the glory of God, not because of anything he'd done. And so we see here that Paul is quoting the same story in Job thirteen sixteen, where he quotes this from. Job says, this will be my salvation, so that the godless shall not come before him. This is what Paul is quoting. Paul understood his suffering was not because of anything he had done. It was because of why? The gospel of Jesus Christ. God was the one who placed him in prison. Do you know that the situation that you may be going through, or next week you're going into, or you just came out of, do you know that that situation was directly, specifically created for you and your glorification to God, your holiness? It was created for you to honor God in the situation you're in. You've been given the children you've been given to honor and glorify God, and to bring about spiritual growth in your life. Children, teens, you've been given your parents for the same reason. You're going through hardships or trials or perseverance, or maybe you have incredible things going on in your life right now. You're extremely blessed. All of these are specifically designed individually for you by God. It's not something that just happened by chance. And it's our job to choose to honor God in the midst of these situations. God was the one who had Paul in the situation. God placed him in chains. And at the end of the day, why was he in chains? Because God placed him there. So I want to ask you, the situation you're in maybe right now, are you down and out, burdened, helpless, overwhelmed? Do you have anxiety when you're going to bed at night? Or you just have thoughts racing in your mind of things you have to get done? Things that if you could only get this done off your to-do list, then my life would be... How many of you have some of those things? You're like, if I could just get some of these things done, then I wouldn't have to worry about anything. I have a list, and I I think I can download a to-do list on my phone to make these things easier. And I fill out this to-do list, and none of it it ever helps. It's continual, but God has given me these things, so even, even if I can't, God can, and I'm supposed to rest in that. Paul chose in his moment of suffering, and this will be one of your outlines here, Paul chose to rely on God in the moment of his suffering. So I need a little participation this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to think and raise their hand and give me some feedback. I want us to come up with some circumstances that Paul, in this situation, easily could have focused on. He could have fixated on. So if you have one, raise your hand. Some things Paul easily could have focused on in his current situation in prison and jail being chained. Discomfort. Good. One over here. Pain. Okay, good. What's another one? Escape. 
Okay? He's, he could be thinking about escape. His mind could be overwhelmed thinking of how can I get out of here. Right? That's a good one. Others? Okay? He could be fearful of his life. At any moment, they could come in and say, hey, you're taking a lot of my guard's time. We have to pay these guys. So budget reasons, we're just going to off with your head. And that will save us some money. We won't have to feed you and all these. That could be a good one. Yeah. Vengeance. Vengeance. He could be bitter about this. He could be turned bitter to God. <coughs> Vengeance to the people. Was there another one back here? Yeah. Bad, bad prison food. Bad prison food. <laughs> we don't even think of things like this. Bad prison food. Okay. It's not fair. Fear of abandonment. All of these things. Shame. Shame. He, could have, he could have fixated on any one of these things. He probably didn't have the best bed either. I mean, those are things I'm thinking of. Selfish reasons. Food. I wrote down food, bed, all things that I really enjoy. And so Paul easily could have fixated on these things. But no, instead he chose to focus on God. And those are things easily he could have focused on. So I want to ask you this morning... And I think it would be healthy for us to do this. What are some things, and you can write a little list down for you. What are some things you focus on? What are some things you focus on that you've given a priority in your mind that are undeservingly to be there? Write some of these things down because this is your life. You're not going to get anything from the message unless you are spending time with the Holy Spirit, and this is actually coming into play in your life. What are some things you've given a priority to in your life? You've given it way too high of a priority. Do you guys know what the Bible says that is? And I do this all the time. All the time. I, I raise up something that doesn't matter into a matter of importance in my life. And if it's not done, or if it is done, or if it's done wrong, it causes me stress, anxiety, and worry. And do you know what I've brought this issue into my life now to be? Idolatry is what it is. When we have taken a situation or a circumstance or a feeling and we have elevated it to a position to where it's affecting my spiritual walk with Jesus Christ or my walk with my wife or family, I have taken something that doesn't matter that much and have elevated into a position of idolatry. And it's now beginning to take the place. That's why the first commandment that we have is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. God knew how easy it was for us to slip into this elevating of position of things into idolatry. So when anything, anyone, any situation, or any feeling in our life, we rise up to that, what should we do? What should you do with the things you've written down? You just need to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I have taken these things and I've elevated them to a higher position. God, I give them to you. I'm sorry for the sin of idolatry. Help me to focus on you. That's what we're called to do. When we see these things, we're quick to deal with them and say, God, I am weak. I've never, I've never said to be strong. I've never said to be, I have everything perfect. I fail often, as we all do. So I see this. I'm going to deal with it. God, praise you that you know what? We should even praise God that we can even see these things. It's through the revelation of His Word, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that we even see the things that we have this going on in our life. So I want to take a brief moment, and I want us to pray. And you spend time with the Holy Spirit right now in regards to these issues in your life. Whatever you need to do between you and God about these issues, 
Let's take a moment and pray. God, we pray for any financial situations going on, relational, family, emotional. Maybe they're just things on our to-do list that cause us anxiety and worry and stress. God, we do apologize. And, and God, we repent for what we've done and we turn to you. And God, thank you for even showing us these things. God, may we... Um, continually just submit ourselves to you, knowing we are broken, but God, that you continue to grow us. God, may you continue to be with us as you continue to work in our hearts through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as followers of Jesus Christ, we do not base our life on our circumstances or our feelings. So what do we base our life on? We base our life on the truth of God revealed to us through His holy scriptures. If we can get this, it's life-changing. We don't focus on feelings and circumstances. We focus on the truth of the Word of God. See, Paul looked up. He didn't look out. And we have to do the same thing. We can't look out at all of our circumstances. We look up to God and His promises because that's what we are supposed to cling to. As Christians, our lives should be so centered on the foundation of the Word of God, sound living in the Scriptures of God, which is why it's so important we know the Scriptures. So I ask you, do you know the Scriptures? Do you know the Word of God? Because if you don't, how are you going to base your life on it? This is why it's so important. This is why we push core classes. This is why we push connect groups. This is why we push coming to Sunday morning, reading your Bible. And we have some incredible, I know the video didn't work, but we have some incredible core classes going on. If you're married, we have an incredible marriage class that is pointing us back to Christ and how we honor Christ. We sat in a marriage class this morning, or a, a parenting class, and it just talked about how our job as a family is always always, always to be sending out things of who God is in every situation, glorifying God in this situation or how we bring God glory in this or what does God think about this. Many times we don't do any of that. And so I encourage you, jump into some of these core classes, dig into the word of God. It will change your life. It will give you a new foundation that's never going to change. We're going to continue into verse 20. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The next point, which is a fill in the blank there on your handout, is this. Paul's purpose was to honor Christ and Christ alone. We have no other purpose in life. There's your purpose. If you've been trying to find your purpose in life, I'm trying to find out what God wants me to do, how to do it, and all these things. Listen, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to honor Christ and Christ alone, to give God the glory in every situation. That was Paul's desire. We see this in verse 18, where he said, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, he said, I don't care as long as Christ is proclaimed, and in that I will rejoice. And I want us, this was kind of a heart stab to me as I was reading through and studying this. We see no mention anywhere in this letter that we're reading 
where Paul mentions his needs, right? Where he mentions his wants, his comfort level that's not being met. His only desire was to honor Jesus Christ. When we look at our lives, is that what is coming out, bubbling to the top, always there, honor Christ, honor Christ, honor Christ? Or is it, I don't like how this is, I want this, I want a newer of that. Many times in my life, that's what it is. It's selfishness. It's not honor Christ, whether in need or wanting or whatever. Honor Christ. That's what we've been called to do. In verse 20b, there's something in this verse I want to hit on. It says, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul filtered everything in his life through this one question. And this is a question we need to filter everything in our life through. And the question is this, will Christ be honored in this decision? Will Christ be honored in this decision? An important question. And Paul says, now I'm going to honor Christ, which is the only thing we're in control of, right? Is now in the future. We can't go back in the past. So listen, if you failed miserably in the past, join the club. So have I and everybody else, right? But Paul's saying now, as always moving forward, I will honor Christ. That's all that matters. So now, moving forward, I will honor Christ. And what this means is that I'm going to honor Christ no matter what. We've made a commitment as Christians that now and always I will honor Him. This means that as Christians, when we're confronted with something from Scripture that contradicts a way we're living or a thought we had, we should be quick to get rid of that way we're living or quick to get rid of that thought. All of us have some bad theology somewhere, right? None of us are perfect in every area of theology. So when we're confronted with something and we're just like, hey, I never knew that. We change. We don't take hold. These are not personal issues. We just change as long as we're sure it's biblical. We don't just change with whatever flows in and out. The Bible warns us about this, but we change. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we take these things literally, what the Bible says. What the Bible says, we take literally. But regardless of what popular opinions may say or traditions have been in the past, we follow the Word of God. And that's what we should do and continue to do now and always. And so I want, you, I want to warn you, if you as a Christian start taking this stance that I'm going to honor Christ now and always, everything in my life, and I'm going to stick to what the Word says. I'm warning you that you're going to start to hear some answers, and they're going to be some things back from your friends or people you work with or even people in the church. You're going to hear things like this. Be warned as you hold this line now and always. Well, in a perfect world, sticking to what the Bible says word for word works. But here's the reality, Casey. We don't live in a perfect world. You're going to hear that. When you start being dogmatic about what the Word of God says, you're also going to hear this. You're out of touch with reality. It doesn't work that way. Or this. It's always been done that way. Or I've always believed it that way. We stick to the Word of God. It doesn't matter how it's always been done. We conform to the Word of God regardless of if it's been done that way forever. We keep going. 
for this one, this is a very much one in Christian circles today. Well, it worked this way in the past in the Bible, and that was so long ago, and God blessed it then, so it must be okay. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Listen very carefully, church. If we did something unbiblical, or you did something in an unbiblical manner, and God blessed it, it was not because of how you did it that God blessed it. He blessed it in spite of how you did it for his glory. Do we understand this? This is very important because God said we should do something this way. When we do it other ways, if he still blesses it, it's not because of how we did it. So we can't cling to, well, it's always worked. No, we cling to God told us to do it this way, so we do it this way. An example of this is a couple of weeks ago, I I sat down with somebody and they said that they became a Christian because they thought it was going to make them rich. Okay? They thought, name it, claim it, all I got to do is this, and God's going to bless me, and I'm going to get that new car and that new house. And the person was saying, you want that new car? You want that new house? Come on, come on up and accept Jesus Christ. And he's like, I want that. So he went up, and man, how wrong motives that was to accept Jesus Christ as a Savior. But God still works in wrong motives many times, and bad theology, he can still do things. But listen, we don't see the damage that's done to all the other people in there and the bad theology. It wasn't, in, it wasn't because of that way that person became a Christian. So let's keep doing it. No, it was in spite of this wrong way that God decided to give himself the glory and save this individual, even though it was wrong motives and means. We need to understand this. We've been called to honor Christ now and always in the institution of marriage and what it should look like, and how a family should be structured. As followers of Jesus Christ, this is what we've been commanded to do. I was watching a TV show recently, and I saw this advertisement for a show scheduled to come on ABC Family. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. The basis of the show is this. It's what a lot of churches aren't preaching these days because they're hot topics, but the Word of God says we honor Christ now and always, and so we hold to that. The basis of the show is this. Two lesbian mothers are married, living together, trying to raise a group of foster kids. And even though this is supposedly on a family network, as the the show is called, they go into extreme detail to show you some of the things that happen in the preview of the show, things that I really didn't care to see. Um, And then they end the show with this. ABC family, a new kind of family. That's how they ended the show. God has specifically and clearly shown us how a family should be ran. He's specifically shown us these things. We don't have to, well, culture's changed and this has changed, so I just got to go with the times. No, we stick to what the Word of God has told us to do. God has clearly shown us the following, how discipleship and evangelism should be done in the church how a church should function and be run, how to lead our families in ways of righteousness. He's clearly shown us not just to do it, but how to do it. He's clearly shown us the specifics of how to discipline our children. Not just you should do discipline. He's shown us specifically how to do it, how to be good stewards of our money, how to handle conflict at work, how to handle conflict at home. He's not just told us to handle conflict. He's shown us how to specifically handle conflict. This is why it's important for us to know the Word of God. Because when we know the Word of God, 
when we arise in one of these situations, we can honor Christ now and always. And you know what? We don't have to know everything about the Word. When you come into a situation and you're not sure how God wants you to handle it, you just have to go. That's what the church is here for, to help equip you. So if you don't know, ask. Study. God will clearly reveal these things to you because He wants to be honored, and He wants you to honor Him. So we keep going. You know, the struggle that the Christian of today in the church is going through, how many of you have ever seen the Pirates movies? Pirates movies, Johnny Depp, okay. Most of you have seen these movies. There's a line in there that they go to that's kind of the terminology of the day, and it's about the pirate code. The pirate code is what the pirates live by. And throughout the whole movie, they reference the pirate code, and then they're like, they're more like guidelines anyways, right? You guys remember that part? They're more like guidelines anyways. Paul is saying, I'm going to honor Christ now and always, and that means being dedicated to the Word of God and what God has called us to do. They're not just guidelines. They're actually what He's called us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. God has not changed. To bring this home, I want you to think of this. Maybe one of these has ruffled your feathers a little bit of, but I do it this way or I don't agree with the Bible that way. And I want to ask you this. If God has explicitly told us how to do something, not just to do it, but how to do something in his word, and we take the freedom to do it otherwise or differently by what right do we think God should bless our efforts? If we take the freedom to do something differently than how God said it should be done, by what right do we think God should bless our efforts? He doesn't have to bless them at all, right? Which is why we do things biblically to bring Him honor and glory. So let's now, as always, continue to honor Jesus Christ. We're going to move into verses 22 and 23, and they say this, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. This leads us to point number three, and it's this. Paul's desire was to depart and be with Christ. Recently, I was asked by one of our church members this question. We were talking and he said the following. I've heard people say that they are ready to go see God. They're ready to die. And they're like, hey, I know where I'm going, so I'm ready to go. And this church member was kind of struggling with that. And they're like, I don't feel ready to go. I'm not ready to leave. Is that wrong? Is that sin in my life? And... It's right here in the passage for my preaching for this upcoming week. And, you know, they said, I don't feel ready to go. So I told him, I know where I'm going and I'm ready to go. I don't think that helped him very much at first, but I explained it a little bit. And maybe you've had this thought before. I want us to look back at what Paul had to say. Because he answered this question in verse 23. Paul said this, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. We see from Scripture he had a desire to go. But we need to see, for this particular question I was asked by a member, if it's attributed to a sin issue. And we don't see it's attributed to a sin issue. So we need to think through our motives of why is it you want to stay here on this earth? 
If you're having a struggle of, I'm, I'm really not ready to go, you need to ask the question, what are your motives behind not wanting to go? Because that very much can be a sin issue. It very much can be. Maybe there are some things here we are so in love with of the flesh or of sin that I know we're not going to be in heaven that I don't want to leave. We all have some of those things, and those things are the things we just need to go to God continually with, saying, I don't want these things. Take them from me, because we all have some of these struggles. So that can be a sin issue. But in regards to this question, my belief is this. As we grow more and more in a love and devotion to Jesus Christ, we are going to desire him more and more. We're going to desire to go more and more. But luckily, Paul doesn't leave us without an answer for what a good reason to stay is. He does give us a couple of good reasons. And the first one is this, verse 24. But to remain in the flesh, to stay here on earth, is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. That leads us to point number four. And the fourth point is Paul placed others' needs above his own desires. A good reason to stay is because of the work you see God doing in your life. You don't want to leave because you want to continue to point people to Jesus Christ. You want to continue to work on behalf of Jesus Christ. So church, as the body of Jesus Christ, God has commanded us to honor Christ now as always, to love one another more than we love ourselves. And we're supposed to be doing this in our homes, in our church, in our community. We're supposed to represent Christ. So as we go into our week, this week, I want us to remember, and I'm going to re-hit on some of these points. Place your trust in Christ alone, not in your circumstances or your, what was the other one? Feelings. Not in your circumstances or your feelings, because those things change, right? They change all the time. Your feelings, depending on a sticky note you get on your desk, or how you're greeted when you get to work, who's that person's maybe already had a bad day, and now they're going to cause you. No, you don't place it on those things. You place it on the Word of God, because that is unchanging, and it's never going to move out from under you. That your purpose is to honor Christ now and always. That means in every situation you have an opportunity to honor Christ. And remember, many of these situations God has given us specifics, not just to do them, but how to do them. God gave us how to do these things. Place others' needs above our own desires to honor Christ in the present and moving in the future. In closing, I do want to to share a little bit For those of you who have this foundation of Jesus Christ, you know, eternally speaking, where you are going. What a privilege and gift that is. For some who may be here this morning, you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have no idea if on the way home today you were to die where you would spend eternity. I I encourage you to think about these things because God says He is not going to hold someone who has guilt and sin in their life, he's not going to hold them as innocent. Somebody has to pay for your sins. Either it's you in judgment of God's wrath or it's Jesus Christ. 
And the first time I heard this and I understood my sin, that I had lied, I had stolen, I had used God's name in vain, and that I read, God will not hold the person guiltless who uses the Lord's God name in vain. And I read these things and I begin to understand, man, I am rotten and I deserve to be punished for my sins. Listen, there is a gift of Jesus Christ, grace and forgiveness to cover those things. And I want every single person to know who does not have that, it's available. For those of you who are Christians, you are going through something. We want you to know that after every service, regardless of if it's a prayer request or a question on something we just preached, or maybe you just want to come say, hey, God really spoke to me through this message this morning. I just want to thank you for that. Maybe it's us getting on our knees and praying to God about something in your life. Always, Pastor Terry or myself or anyone who preaches will always be available right here in the front. So if you feel God working in your heart this morning and you're like, man, I want, I want to become a Christian, come talk with us. If it's, I want you to pray for something going on in, our, in my life, come talk with us. If it's a question on something we said, come talk with us. If it's just a need, whatever it is, we want you to know that we're open and available because we care. And one of us will always be right here at the front for you. And one of us will always be on your way out available to you as well. So would you pray with me and then we'll continue. God, we do praise you for this morning. God, we praise you for who you are. God, I praise you that we can know as followers of Jesus Christ where we're going to spend eternity. God, there are only two options in regards to eternity, and that's eternity with you or eternity in hell. And it's a very real place. And God, I praise you that you have saved me and many others from that. And I pray for the, the individual here who is unsure. God, they can have assurance. They can know, as your word says. They can know how to be saved. They can know assurance of salvation. God, I also pray for the Christian here who is going through trials or tribulations or whatever it may be, suffering in their life or maybe just uncertainty. Or maybe it's not even anything big. It's just a, a, a matter of priorities. God, I, I pray that we may have the right mindset and focus. God, I pray for, um, for us as a church to honor you now and always in every decision that we would make. You've given us specifics on how to do things. And God, help us to honor you in every single one of the midst of those. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.